Hi guys, I'm Giuseppe Santamaria, the photographer behind Men in This Town and editor of MIT Magazine. I wanted to welcome you to a new season of Portrait Session, this year in partnership with Armani Exchange Connected. This podcast takes a closer look at who the men on the street are by bringing them into the studio for a portrait and having a chat about their particular approach to the many facets of life. This week, I connected with Carlo Vandenbroek, a leather maker who recently set up shop in the same building as my studio. His laid-back yet classic Italian style caught my eye when he moved into the building. And the fact that he was going to be making leather goods just a couple floors up, I knew I wanted to get to know him a little bit better. Head over to meninthistown.com to view selects from our portrait session. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed the conversation that took place. first things that you're gonna do? Probably. The, the only thing is it, it takes something like four to five days to make because it's all hand stitched. Well if I had a machine it would probably only take me a day or two. So yeah. That's that present crazy, moment. Isn't it, it is yeah yeah. And the machine you do have back I home. do have a machine. I yeah. just have to get it over to Australia pretty much, yeah. God. Yeah. Does that hurt doing it by hand? Uh no, the, the thing is, when I was working up here in the studio, um, because the room is not that well ventilated, the air conditioner yeah. is not that strong, so over time my fingers would get sweaty and then the needle would start slipping and I'd start like poking myself in the needle. Oh my god. <laughs> like, it's not a sharp needle, but yeah. I mean, if you poke hard enough, you'll still bleed. <laughs> the things you have to think about though, it's like yeah. you don't yeah. <laughs> like the environment needs to yeah. be right in order to do it, isn't it? Um, some people, what they do is they've got like the rubber fingertips things that they use. Um, but yeah, I just use my fingers. So yeah, I remember my, my uncle was a, a leather maker, yeah, yeah. and cool. I remember seeing all his, he had this massive workshop just yeah. in his house, yeah. and he used to make, I think he focused more on doing like horse harnesses, yeah. and he, he made harnesses for um, William Shatner. Like oh, really? one of his clients, oh, wow. which cool. was always I thought so random. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember always like me and my cousins would go play in the workshop there yeah. and playing with all his tools. And yeah. he had those like even those those horse looking benches that you yeah, would yeah. sit on yeah, yeah. that is, would hold the straps, I guess, in yeah, order yeah. to sew. And yeah. so cool. many tools that he yeah. had. <laughs> and that's why for me the, the smell of leather is just so like. Floods me with memories. Yeah, yeah, whenever I can imagine. I can smell yeah, it. yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so let's start with kind of an introduction to yourself. Yeah. What um, introduce to the listeners your name, kind of, and what we what you do do for a living. Okay, so um, I'm Carlo Vandenbroek. I am a um, leather goods artisan, currently uh, trying to start up a small business here in Australia, um, targeting the Australian market, uh, eventually European market, and overseas other countries as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's a plan anyway. <laughs> Always the plan. Yeah. <laughs> to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and what are you wearing today? All right. I'll start from uh, top to bottom. I'm wearing a uh, chambray denim shirt from Turnbull and Asser. Uh, it's one of the uh, more contemporary types of shirts that they have. 
This one actually comes with removable collars. So removable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually got like a button on the back, and uh, and kind of just like a a regular kind of lapel collar to it. Yeah. So yeah. it comes with the normal um, English collar and a uh, club collar, which is the rounded one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So th this is usually what I wear with a tie. But during the summer or when I want to be a bit more dressed down, I like to wear it without a collar. Yeah, yeah. very good. I like yeah. that. So uh, the trousers I'm wearing are double pleated high waisted trousers that I found in a vintage shop in Belgium. Uh, Do you like wearing the high waisted pants? I, um, I love the look of them. I yeah. think it's just, it's such a. And you pull them off quite well. Oh, thank I, you. It was one of the first things you were wearing when oh, I first you. met you. And I was like, that is like, I wish I need to lose my belly in order to wear those myself. <laughs> that said though, I mean, um, high-waisted trousers are actually uh, quite flattering overall to whatever body type. Yeah, yeah. Because you actually conceal the belly underneath the trousers. Sure. Yeah. Especially if you wear um, like pleated trousers. Uh, if they fit you well, mm. you actually don't see that you've got all that volume around your yeah, waist. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, smart. Um, it took me a while to get used to wearing high-waisted trousers. I mean, I started uh, when I was working, you know, in London for um, Crockett and Jones. That's when I started seeing people wearing high-waisted trousers mm. and braces. And that's when I kind of moved on from jeans and like, you know, low-waisted chinos. Yeah, yeah. And now I find... Um, they just sit better when they, they're higher. Yeah. And it, it actually elongates uh, like your legs. It, I know it makes your torso look shorter, but it elongates your legs. So it actually makes you look taller. Yeah. So usually when I wear um, low-waisted jeans now, I actually feel like I look shorter in the mirror than yeah. what I, I used can, to I see. can understand that. Yeah. And it gives you a completely different silhouette that you're not yeah. used to seeing. And it's yeah. like, then it becomes a new kind of look that you yeah. kind of want to stick to. But that said, if you know you're opposed to wearing double pleated trousers, single pleat uh, or single pleat, uh, just wearing trousers on the waist makes a difference. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. What else? Yeah. So uh, and I'm wearing uh, cordovan shoes, whiskey cordovan shoes from Crockett and Jones, and I'm wearing a watch from Armani Exchange. It's their connected watch. It's got a blue band, which uh, I paired up with the blue denim uh, shirt. And it's got like a rose uh, dial finish. Well, it's blue with like uh, the hands are rose gold and the uh, hour markers. It's a nice which, combo. Yeah, which goes well with the um, the whiskey cordovan, yeah. I think. Is yeah. matching something for you that is important, or do you like kind of having that um, mix of things? To to a degree, I mean. Uh, you don't want it to look like you're matching too much. No, no. You want it to make it look like an afterthought. But yeah, there, there's always that slight thought of, you know, maybe I should match a bit. It's yeah. kind of like when you wear a tie or a pocket square, you don't want them to match exactly because then it looks a bit tacky. Yeah. But you want to try hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like you bought, you know, a matching tie and pocket square. And you yeah. Just, you like you bought a kit almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess in saying that, what is your style all about? What do you want it to kind of convey? Um, when I started, it was more about dressing up and being taken seriously. Because um, I'm half Asian, I look a lot younger than I actually am. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 30s now and, you know, people still think I'm like in my early 20s <laughs> if I wear a t-shirt and jeans. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> But when you, when, you know, when you, you want to be taken seriously, sure. uh, you know, dressing up a bit can help. Yeah. Uh, 
and yeah from there on it kind of developed and now i mean people say you know they always ask me oh are you uncomfortable wearing long sleeve shirts with a collar or with a tie but the thing is once you have garments that actually fit you properly it fits you just as well i would say even better because if let's say just as an example uh in the morning let's say it's 15 degrees i can wear a cardigan over my shirt uh, a jacket even uh, if it gets warmer during the day i take off the cardigan can roll up my sleeves it's trans like you could transform it yeah, easily it, it's, it's not just layering. yeah yeah, yeah it's smart in the way that you kind of go about it yeah and i mean people have been doing it you know since time immemorial so i mean yeah. why change a good thing if it works yeah. yeah coming here to australia did you kind of find that it had to change at all or was it easy to kind of adapt well in because I used to live in Parramatta. Um, Parramatta, I didn't really feel out of place wearing a fedora hat or you know wearing a sport coat or a suit. Um, now that I live a bit out west with the in-laws, uh, just temporarily um, while we're setting up, uh, yeah, it's a bit harder to dress up. Like I get more people looking at me when I wear a Panama hat than a, a white blazer. So yeah. So that's why um, yeah, when I'm traveling into the city from that far usually i dress it down a bit more so like let's say now with my high-waisted trousers and a denim shirt yeah yeah amazing. yeah i it's something that i would photograph on the street oh, thank so you. It, <laughs> it works that's the thing sometimes you do have to kind of adapt to your surroundings yeah. but i think there's there's different versions of your dress that you could kind of put out there where mm -hmm. there are the more extreme looks and the more casual looks yes. but you can still stay true yeah. to kind of what yeah. it's all about i think so I guess, what does bring you into the city? We met um, here at the studio. Mm -hmm. um, you have your own studio um, just on the third floor of uh, the Gaffa building? Second floor? Second floor, second yeah, floor. yeah, yeah. Um, and you're gonna be moving to Melbourne now. So you were here for a few months yep. setting up, and what, what's your story there? What's yeah. that all about? That said, moving to Melbourne, um, just <laughs> recently gotten news that might change that situation. Ah! Yeah, so... <laughs> As I said, you know, I, I, I go with the flow. Uh, I think me and my wife, we both decided, you know what, we'll, we'll stay where the opportunities are. Yeah. Depending on, you know, how, how this um, potential opportunity turns out. But, you know, if that falls through, then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably be moving to Melbourne uh, in the near future. Yeah. So what was the initial idea of coming to get a studio um, upstairs in the Gaffer building? The... The honest reason why I got a studio in, uh, in the Gaffa building was because um, at home I was working out of the garage and given the Australian Sydney summers out west, I, it's just not doable. So uh, I decided to rent a, a studio space where I'd be more comfortable, where it'd be air conditioned and I could actually work comfortably. Also, it's, it's, a, it's a bonus that I get to meet all these creatives yeah. under the same, same roof. I mean, I would have never guessed that you know, I would meet you, Giuseppe, or, you know, the other jewelers here and, you know, that it would go this far as well, that now I'm actually sitting in front of you, yeah. It's nice to have that connection of community and yeah. kind of find yeah. people that have, are like-minded and yes. share ideas and whatnot, isn't and it? I think the, my favorite part of it as well is how organic uh, it happens, like nothing's forced, it just comes from a conversation, you give people ideas, they start talking about things, they give you ideas, and because it's, you know, jewelers and leather workers, 
there's a bit of crossover there, but not much. Mm. So you don't really have to worry about you know saying something that might influence someone else, and that person might steal your ideas, yeah. or you know you saying or you know them saying something to you, you might get an idea as well, and they might think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's quite healthy as well. What? Yeah. So what kind of got you into the whole leather work? You you were living in Belgium beforehand. Um, before coming to Australia, where were you? So, so I finished high school in the Philippines. Right. Uh, then I studied for a while in Sydney. Uh, did my my bachelor's degree, my master's. Um, I was applying for. I was thinking about applying for permanent residency, but because of the changes the government kept making, this was during the time when they kept making changes every year. Yeah, right. Um, I kind of got uh, left out of the cutoff period. I was too young. Like they, they were looking for people. I think it was 25 upwards and at that time I was 24 mm. so I just missed Sucks it, when it yeah, just yeah. <laughs> but as I said I'm, I'm taking it as a sign as you know it wasn't meant to be the universe is guiding you into yeah. what you're supposed to be yeah you have to and, listen and, to that yeah and that's why as I said like we're just going with the flow at the moment you know whatever mm. comes out there you know we're just gonna take it as a sign as it's meant to be so after Sydney uh, we moved to London for a while um, you know, try, I, I wanted to get a, a job more focused on fashion coming from a finance background that I never really used and mm. working in customer care. And um, yeah, and my wife was lucky enough to eventually get a job uh, with Burberry, like in the headquarters as well. So that was that was pretty good. And um, yeah, we, we were there for a while. We went through hard times, you know, we realized, you know, what, if we can if we can go through these hard times you know where we have no one to support us where mm. we're barely getting by because we're looking for jobs then you know like living together per, on a you know as more as a commitment didn't really scare us as much mm. so we you weren't married then we weren't no. married no so we were yeah we were just together and yeah then we decided you know what you know, we, we always wanted a small wedding. We, we always found big weddings too stressful, mm. you know, having to plan all of that. So yeah, we just decided to get married in London. We had our honeymoon in um, Florence, Italy. Beautiful. Which is actually, uh, well actually Cinque Terre, and then we went to Florence, Italy. And um, that's actually where I discovered the letter school that I went to, the Scuola di Cuoio. Yeah, and what would you do there? So when we were there, um, I just checked it out. I thought it was quite interesting, you know, maybe down the line in the future to do like a, a weekly course or something like that. It was, what kind of courses did they offer kind of? It was like um, long-term, short-term stuff? So they, they offer like uh, day courses. Okay. They offer a week course, three months and six months. Right, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I always had this idea of maybe coming back just doing like a week course. Nothing, yeah. nothing too serious. But then uh, when I moved back to the UK, um, had the opportunity. So how long did you take the course there for? So there it was six months. Six months, yeah. right. But that was like the year after. Yeah, right, okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah, and they taught me everything. Like I dabbled a bit myself prior to that. Mm. But it was really when I did the six month course that, you know, you learn all the technical aspects and all the technical background and all the things you need to know to make, you know, an item. Because you think, you know, a card holder, oh, it's just like pieces of leather that you slap together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, have, you think you could design it, but yeah, yeah. like, how do you actually go about doing it? And then when you make it yourself, you realize, oh, this doesn't feel like, right. you know, I'm expecting it to. 
and then you realize, yeah, that's because there's actually reinforcement in there or it's constructed a certain way. And yeah, I would say um, studying there for the six months really opened my eyes to, you know, like the, the full background of it and how to actually pursue this properly. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, you've got people out there that are designing bags, but for them, the design is just on paper and then they have an idea how it's made. Yeah. But for me, it's my drawings aren't that good, which I kind of mine aren't either. Yeah, <laughs> mine are horrible. I admire anyone that can draw. <laughs> it's it's more just to visualize in my head what yeah, the product Yeah, you understand like. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Even mine. though, because my dad's into uh, into drawing and painting, and one time he actually caught a glance of one of my drawings. And he was like, why does your bag look like a brick? <laughs> like, it doesn't to me. It looks like something magical and beautiful. <laughs> and it's like, you, you know, your perspective is off. You know, if you want, I can give you a book about how to read. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, it's just, but I, I read up a bit on it. I've, I've modified my drawings a bit to show a bit more of the perspective. Still not quite there, like what my dad, you know, wants me to mm. probably do. But it gives, gives me an idea. Yeah. And then from there... Because the thing is, if you're designing something from scratch, um, you have this idea how it's put together, but it's not actually until you actually put, start putting the panels together that you start realizing, hang on, maybe I should have done this differently. Or maybe, you know, I should add this panel here to reinforce that. And this is something that you won't really see until you actually make the bag yourself. Mm. So if you're a designer, uh, no, I'm not knocking any of the designers out there, but I mean, um, as a designer, uh, your technical background is not as advanced as, let's say, the engineer that's actually making the bag. And I would say that's, I, I kind of want to use that advantage. Yeah. I think it's such a big thing to actually, I mean, it's a very similar situation that we had yes or the other day where we tried doing this in a video format. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure how it was going to be kind yeah. of in my head until we yeah. physically did it. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't know, it's not working this way. Yeah. And it's like, let's do something audio, do a podcast or something. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot in saying that you need to get your hands dirty and kind mm -hmm. of try it and not just kind of have it in your head and not ever execute it properly or get someone yeah. else to do it because yeah. you want to know exactly what is possible with yeah. the materials you're going to be working with and whatnot. But that said, you know, making taking chances like that and making you know open and close parentheses mistakes, mm. which aren't really mistakes, um, you learn from them, and that's how innovation happens as well. Someone decides to think outside of the box, and you know, create something, and it works better, or you know, it works the exact way that it's something supposed to work that mm. hasn't worked in the past. And yeah, so that's that's how innovation happens. And it's almost like just kind of. That inner child in you of yeah. kind of just you know playing with crafts and yes. blocks and stuff like that like yeah. it, that's what you have to do it's yeah. like imagine the things that you did create when you were a kid that yeah. you thought was this amazing thing it's like yeah. that's what you need to do as an adult still yeah. you know not even you know in person but even just the things you can create in your mind as well you know i i kind of miss the days you know being a kid and having that yeah. huge creativity and no one telling you you know no that's wrong you know you have to sit in an office from nine to five that's mm. what you should be doing because that's that's you know what i've been told uh for a period of my life and yeah. but it's come to a point where it's like you know what if i want to make this work i'm, I'm gonna go for it yeah good on you were there many people um 
in the course that you took? Like, was there, do you think it's a popular trait that people are still trying to kind of continue, or do you feel like it's almost like a lost art? It's funny you say that, because um, when I actually signed up for the course, uh, I think it was actually one of the bigger classes they had in a while. Uh, they're starting to see a resurgence of interest, mm. and I think uh, you can see it in the menswear and women's wear um, industry as well, that people are starting to appreciate more artisanally made um, products. Like even when you look like, you know, at the Gucci bags and the other designer bags now, you actually see like embroidering on the leather yeah. and things like that, which is very time intensive. Oh my God, do. I can't imagine yeah. that, creating that. Yeah, so like it, it's coming back. The appreciation for, you know, the, the, the actual human touch to a product, it, it's coming back. So when I was doing the course, there were a lot of um, Koreans um, that were doing the course with me as well. Mm. I was expecting more Japanese, but it was actually more Koreans, yeah. Mm, right. And then how do you eventually kind of set up? How long ago was that when you took the course? And So I took the course, um, I believe it started in January 2017 and finished in June 2017. And... Uh, Yes, yeah, so I've been doing it for, for a few months now after the course. So setting up in Australia, um, I've, I've, I have to contact all these suppliers and, you know, for reinforcement and material like that. The thing is, the Australian, well, from, what, from my research anyway, um, the Australian leather goods market, it's mostly American uh, inspired. So it's more, you know, heavy leather with the tooling, you know, where they actually hammer like designs into it. Mm. And um, like, more saddlery inspired um while my More background rustic kind of feel kind yeah, of leather. yeah yeah so like something you know like let's say if you see double rl and there's a bag it'd be something like that heavy sturdy mm -hmm. with solid hardware while my background coming from you know being trained in italy uh i'm trained to use the softer letters the softer constructions so like i I um, repaired one of my wife's uh, Gucci bags. The, the lining um, was going powdery because it wasn't actually leather. And when I opened up that bag, basically the way that bag was constructed was exactly the way they taught me in class. All right. yeah. And I was actually quite surprised because I, I was into the course maybe three, four months. And I realized, oh wow, what they're actually teaching me is the actual proper way of making it back. The premium leather goods yeah. people are actually doing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. and then, Get your money's worth yeah. there. <laughs> that's, that's when you realize, you know, okay, uh, I'm, I'm getting somewhere, you know, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So then, um, I guess you came to Australia how long ago now? Uh, I moved back uh, in December 2017. December. Yeah. So had you kind of started any work kind of between after school and coming to Australia or was it kind of the idea to come to Australia and start something um, new? Well, I've, I've done a few things uh, in Belgium uh, when I was in Belgium and also when I was in Italy. Like uh, there was a, a, a lady that sells handmade ties in Italy. Um, I bought a few ties off her and you know, she asked me, you know, what do you actually do? And I said, oh, you know, I'm studying to become a leather goods artisan. And she straight away was like, oh, opportunity. <laughs> said, oh, can you make me braces? You know, if I send you like tubes of silk, can yeah. you turn them into braces for me? And I was like, you know, I'm still studying. I'm not <laughs> That's really, intimidating. Yeah. 
but I was like, you know, no promises, but you know, I can I can try my best. And um, so I made the braces, sent them to her. She seemed quite happy. I sent her the pattern for the braces as well. And um, I don't know if she used them, but now she actually sells braces. So she found uh, someone to actually make the braces for her. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've made bags for, you know how it goes, you make stuff for family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's good, good way of practice again yeah. and getting it out there. I mean, even your wife's uh, tote bag. Yeah. Is like amazing and it looks like a luxury product that yeah. you made for her and it's custom. If, if I could charge friends and family, I'd probably <laughs> yeah, exactly. have a successful business by now. <laughs> That's the thing. You have to give a lot of free product. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> well, what is the, then, I guess, the vision and idea for the brand that you kind of want to create and the products you want to create? I'm sorry? The, the vision for the oh, brand the and the kind of the types of products you want to create. So like people keep telling me, you know, like you're not going to be able to do this long term. You're eventually going to have things made in Italy or by someone because you're going to be too busy setting up, you know, the next collection, things like that. And part of me kind of doesn't want that to happen because I, I find it immensely satisfying to create something with my hands, you know, at the end of the day to actually, or at the end of a week, for example, to have actually something in your hands and you can go, you know, I can use this, I made this. And to lose that feeling if you sent things to be made in Italy, uh, I, don't want, I don't want that to happen. Um, so what most likely will happen is I'll have a basic skew that I'll maybe send to Italy just so that if people are looking for a card holder or a wallet and they want it right there, right now, like let's mm -hmm. say for a birthday party, uh, then at least that's available for them. Mm -hmm. But I I will always want this line, which is like let's say the more premium handmade, hand stitched line, which I'll take care of with a small team. That's that's my vision of the brand. Like I I don't want to lose the fact that I am an artisan. Mm -hmm. As I said, I don't I don't just want to be someone that draws a design and sends it to Italy and then yeah. maybe gets a prototype and goes yeah maybe tweak that here and here. No, I actually want to make something send that thing to Italy and then they can go, okay, how is this put together? Right. It's not just about designing, it is about you kind of wanting to make yeah. and kind of, yep. and that is such a, a thing of like, it's, there is that kind of, um, people get kind of that cloudy image of, you know, getting too big or mm -hmm. trying to get bigger, but mm -hmm. then you lose touch with what the actual product is because you're not actually making it yourself. Yeah. Yep. And it's just, I don't know, it's sometimes you don't have to get big or massive mm -hmm. and as long as you're kind of doing something that you love and you're yep. doing it um and you're making a living from it i think that's all that kind of counts in the end and yep. it's it doesn't have to be the massive company that other people try to do you know prior to prior to you know moving into leather uh when i studied you know for my degree in finance i always thought you know make a lot of money live comfortably that was the goal mm. but as I got older, um, I started realizing, you know, like it's an industry where a lot of people get burned out really quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are like scandals of people, you know, having, you know, basically having to do cocaine just to basically go through the day because of all the overtime that they're doing. And, you know, seeing people like ruin their lives, even, I've even, you know, talk to people that actually worked in finance is that not, you don't want to get into it. It's going to burn you up. And yeah, like, realizing that you know what uh, why should i make all this money for someone 
and you know you get like maybe one percent of that money like let's say you close a deal and you know let's say a million dollar deal you'll probably only get like ten thousand of that mm. and then you've done all the work for it as well you've probably sacrificed your health you've sacrificed you know like all the time you could have spent with family and friends and yeah no i i, I didn't want that so i never really went into finance and um after that, I decided, you know what, as long as I'm doing what I like, if I'm barely getting by, I'll be happy. As long as I'm getting by, I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And how are you kind of connecting with people and trying to kind of get your brand out there in um, getting exposure, you know? Um, well, at the moment, like, I'm not actively looking uh, for the exposure at the moment just because you know I don't have my machines here I don't right. have the, the, the capacity to go full scale it's it's quite small at the moment um, so I'd say the exposure has been coming quite quite organically actually and it's it's actually quite refreshing because you don't expect to make connections you know and, like, and you never know in the future down the line uh, that person might be willing to display or sell my product in their shop and I like how that just stemmed from a conversation. It didn't feel formal where, you know, I came in with a contract and went, you know, mm. do you want to sell my product? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I like the, I like it. It's, 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 it's more personal. It, it feels like, you know, like you're actually friends with that person and they're saying, you know what, if you want, I can help you out. I know down the line, it will have to start to get more professional and Who's to say that's not professional, though? It's like, True. you know, it's, it's an old way of connecting. And it's, um, it's the way that's worked for all these years. True. You know, it's, I, you know, social media, I think, yes, it's the time that we're in and it's somewhat important. But yeah. are the connections you're actually making there really kind of lasting and yeah. really leading anywhere? Yeah. You know, I think most of the time. It's why the, one of the reasons why... I wanted kind of a, a public studio mm -hmm. is so I could actually meet people that are on the blog or yep. looking through the Instagram or yep. buy the books or the magazines. It's like you get that personal connection with them yep. and you kind of see what they love about it yep. and share ideas and help them get exposure and whatnot. So yep. it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's probably the best way to kind of do it more in person. Yeah, no, I agree. Because yeah. um, prior to moving to Italy and prior to having the opportunity of actually going to um, PT Uomo, um, I used to follow these people on Instagram. And, you know, I used to... Idolize is maybe not the word, but I used to look up to these people and like, wow, look at the way they dress. You yeah. know, like they, they've got their distinct style. They've already figured out how they want to dress. And... So you have this, you know, this image of how grandeur your life must be. But then when you meet them at Piti Uomo, they're, they're just people. And yeah. even, even, you know, like if you're intimidated, like I talked to one of them and I said, yeah, you know, it's the, the outside world that people are hanging out is actually more intimidating than mm. the actual business people inside. Because most of the people are there for business. Sure, there are bloggers here and there that are just there for the photos. But it is a business convention. Yeah. 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 So yeah, what is it that you kind of do on your downtime? What What makes you happy to kind of just? I mean, shut your mind off a bit. Yeah. No, not a lot of people. Well, people that are close to me know about this, but not a lot of people, you know, that follow me on Instagram and social media know this about me. But I'm I'm into video games. I'm an only child on my mom's side, so I've always had to entertain myself. So 
Yeah, I've got I've got like a Nintendo Switch and a PlayStation <laughs> 4 that I hook uh, up to the TV if I get a chance. Yeah, so that that's what I do. Um, you know, if I'm not watching a movie or reading something, or you know, in the garage working. Yeah, that's your happy time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's I mean, people think that gaming these days is all you know, it's that it's for kids. But I mean, there are games out there that have you know an adult-oriented narrative and it's like basically rather than watching a movie you're actually participating in a movie which i like so like nothing like call of duty or anything like that never really got into you know multiplayer games i'm more about the linear story-driven games yeah it's always fun it is it's kind of it is a way to kind of just escape as you can do with movies as you can do with books as music it's gaming is something that get into a whole different world which is quite nice and I mean, you'd be surprised, like, I've, I've talked to people on Instagram and, you know, like, let's say I, because sometimes I make things out of necessity, so I didn't, the, the thing is, like, I use the Switch when I, when I travel on the train, but the Switch cases out there, they're, they're all with zippers and, mm. you know, they're very, let's say, not stylish. So I wanted to make one myself and something quite thin and flexible. So I made and with one leather. Yeah, and with leather, <laughs> of course, with leather. With leather, you know, like I did the lambskin, Napa lambskin lining, Amazing. so it wouldn't scratch the uh, the screen and everything. And yeah, when I posted photos of that, um, all of a sudden I have people like commenting on what I'm making, and I go, ah, oh, this person actually knows what I'm making. Yeah. So like. Uh, there's a guy that um, recently illustrated me, um, John Lay. Uh, he's based in the UK, and yeah, he, he just commented like, "Oh yeah, I've got a Switch too. I've been yeah. playing Zelda." And I'm like, "Oh wow, okay." That's <laughs> well, there's a market right there, isn't it? Just yeah. these products that it's true have these kind of garish kind of casings that just yeah. never kind of hit the spot. Yeah, to make something luxury with leather would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean. For me, it's a switch case. For my wife, she looks at it and goes, "Oh, that can be a clutch." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, multifunctional. It works anyway. Yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe I'll tweak it, make it a bit bigger, and turn it into a clutch. Yeah, great stuff. Cool. Uh, just one last question um, before we kind of uh, end this. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like to be you at the moment? Where, what's your head at? Where is your head at? That's a loaded question at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, confusing and uncertain at the moment as I said uh, we're, we're just going where the opportunities are showing up uh, so that means you know you can't really you can't really plan that far ahead into the future but in a way it's it's fun because every day is a new challenge every day can be different so yeah I mean I'm, I'm positive I'm positive about what's coming in the future I just don't know where or, or when but I know it's coming Cool, thank you, Carlo. Here, Hoka. Pleasure.